We're grateful to have uh, each one of you who are joined with us this morning. We've been talking about the, a particular resurrection, and to save a lot of words and time, we, uh, we call this particular resurrection the rapture. And this is where the Lord comes in the clouds of the air to take out a number of saints, and they'll be in glory. There'll be a marriage taking place in glory. And I believe, I don't know how long before the great tribulation that she will be taken out. Uh, I think it'll be really close, you know, but, but again, I, I don't know. But she's taken out, and uh, again, I think uh, the great tribulation will actually be almost immediately, is my belief. And uh, there'll be seven years of this great tribulation. Then at the end of it, the Lord will come back with his bride to kind of finalize this battle of Armageddon in this year's of great tribulation. And then we go, uh, uh, Satan's bound for a thousand years. We have the millennial reign, a lot of things going on there. So anyway, uh, so we talk, we'd like to continue talking about this particular resurrection, this that we're going to call rapture, calling away, gathering together. And uh, I, I wanted to go back where we left off. We left off in, in 2 Thessalonians, and uh, I want to start there. And... and so the people of Thessalonica, from the first letter that Paul had given them, Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit, uh, they thought, some of them thought they'd already missed it, or it already came, or something like that. And here in this second Thessalonians, he explained to them, said, listen, you're not going to miss it. This can't happen until something takes place first, and then it can happen. And let me just, I'll just say this. This uh, falling away is, is what will happen, will take place. And then there's a debate, is it the falling away of the truth or the falling away of the church taken out? And my answer is yes, they're one and the same. Uh, so let's read in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and, and start, let's just start in, in verse 1. And we won't spend too much time on this and then we'll try to go ahead. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit, or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of the Lord is present. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, and again, what day? That's the day of the Lord comes in the clouds of the air to call out a elect number of his saints. But he said, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come the 
falling away first. So this, the great tribulation period, and this man of sin being revealed and everything cannot happen. There's something that has to take place first, and something going to take away or going to happen first is that falling away first has to take place first. And again, what is that falling away? Is the falling away the truth, or the falling away or taking out the church? And it's one and the same thing. Uh, let me read verse three again. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except. There come the falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. When's he going to be revealed? After that falling away. It says, Who oppresses and exalts himself above all that is called God, nor that is worship, so that he as God sitteth on the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And something I just never saw until I read it then. Showing himself that he is God. There's a lot of people today. Nebuchadnezzar was showing himself that he was as God. I built this kingdom, my might, my power, my majesty. Uh, a lot of people are showing themselves that they are God. We're in control. We're free moral agents. There's no sovereign God over us. So, uh, showing himself that he is God. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know what restraineth, or what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. He said, now there's something holding this back. There, there is a time that he will be revealed, but something has to take place first. And this something, as long as this something is here, it hindereth. Can't take place until this something is taken out of the way. Well, let me read verse 6 again. And now ye know what restraineth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now hindereth will continue to hinder until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked one be revealed. So... Who is it? There's something that, that refrains. Something must be taken out of the way that calls it a he. He must be taken out of the way. And you say, well, the church is not a he. The church is always referred to as a she, the bride of Christ, right? So this he, what is this he? And we, we studied it last week. I won't go there again today, this morning. But especially in, in John 14, 15, and 16, where the Lord told his disciples about the comforter. He said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send the comforter. He will lead, guide, and direct into all truth. He won't glorify himself. He'll glorify the, word, the, the Lord, in other words. So that's the he that must be taken out of the way before this man's sin can be revealed. Well, you say, well, what about the church, though? 
the Lord also in, the, in that 14th, 15th, 16th chapter of John, he's talking to his church, and he says, I'm going to go away. It's expedient for you that I go away. He says, but I won't leave you comfortless. He was the first comforter. And he was going to go away, and he said, but if I do, I'll pray the Father, he'll send you another comforter. And this comforter is going to lead, guide, and direct into all truth. By the leadership of this comforter, not, not one of those members of these bodies would follow this wicked one, this man of sin, this man of perdition. As long as they're led by the comforter, they would not follow. So he talks about that comforter. And that's the he that must be taken out of the way before the man of sin can be revealed that starts seven years of great tribulation. But he told his church, I won't leave you comfortless. So the Lord cannot take the comforter, the spirit of truth, out unless he takes the church out too, unless he breaks his promise. And that's not going to happen. So as he takes this he out that restraineth the, this great seven years of great tribulation, he has to take the church out at the same time because he says, I won't leave you comfortless. And then we read many scriptures where he says, he, he calls them out and he said, wait here for a time till this indignation be passed and uh, several scriptures relating to that. But I wanted to, that's where we left off and I wanted to bring that out again that this great tribulation that will start, and, and I think it started immediately after the church is taken out. The way, the way I read it here doesn't, doesn't mean that I'm right. But the way I read it here, when this falling away happens, when the church is taken out, when the comfort is taken out, then that man of sin will be revealed, and I think it will be very quickly afterwards. But I, I don't have anything to base it on other than what I read here kind of seems to read that way, but I don't know. I just know that, that that it can't start till the comforter be taken out. And he won't take the comforter out without taking the church out because he made a promise to his church, I won't leave you comfortless. So, so there's, a, and at this time, when the, when the church is taken out at this time, that's what we referred to. There's a particular resurrection. The dead in Christ will raise. Those that are alive remain to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And this is what we call the rapture, or a particular resurrection. So now, we, uh, we ask, well, just, okay, just who will be taken out in this rapture, this, re this particular resurrection? <clears throat> Let me say this that the church, the body of Christ taken out. Everyone else is left is not doomed to the lake of fire. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what the scriptures say. I believe that, that in particular, this is a time that God takes Israel back as the wife. I think we're primarily then at this particular time it's Israel and, uh, the, and the Lord with Israel. Will there be other Gentiles? <clears throat> I believe so. Do I have every answer? 
I'm pretty sure not. I'm sure that, that I don't. But so let's see if we could look by the scriptures. Who 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 will be taken out in this particular rapture when the comforter's taken out? Uh, are all of God's people taken out? And the answer is no. Of course, God will still have people going through this great tribulation. So let's go to Revelation chapter 2. And uh, Revelation 2, and this is the Lord speaking to one of the churches. This is Thyatira, and I believe it's to all of the churches and to us in this day and age as well. But in verse, uh, well, verse 18, Revelation 2 and 18, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write these things, saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine bronze. Now, when he comes back to fight the battle of Armageddon, that's exactly how he comes back to his eyes, flame of fire, sword going out of his mouth. So here he's talking to a church, one of the Lord's churches. And he says, I know thy works, and love, or charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works. And we can study on all these, see what they are. And the last to be more than the first. So not saying anything bad about him in this verse 19 to his church. Verse 20, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou allowest that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Now, the Lord's already made up his mind who is and everything like that. It's just telling us those that repent and those that don't repent. So he's talking about the, to this church here. He got a lot of good things to say. He said, but there's some. There's a few things. But you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to teach and seduce my servants and to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto altars. Uh, and to idols. Well, Jezebel was alive uh, during King Ahab's reign, which is, I think, the 6th century B.C. So now we're talking here uh, in, in New Testament times. So Jezebel herself was not still here. She uh, physically wasn't uh, causing these uh, servants to commit fornication. But, but what took place? So Jezebel uh, was uh, uh, King Ahab took Jezebel to be one of his wives. Well, Jezebel was the daughter of a king. And 
So he took her to wife. And see, Israel did this a lot. The Lord's commandment was, you remember with King Saul? What was the first commandment that he gave to King Saul? When you go in these other nations, kill every man, woman, child, baby, and suckling. That, and, of course, it didn't happen. But what, what would happen? Well, see, they would go, and it makes physical sense. you got a kingdom here. You want allies and buddies. So, well, here, king so-and-so, I'll marry your daughter, and we can be joined, and we'll be kingdoms. We'll have more strength and everything like that. Well, then what happened, though? Then Israel began to worship the idols and false gods of this other nation where Jezebel was from. So worshiping false gods and false idols, and that's what it's talking about here. Not Jezebel herself, but they've had people in here teaching false gods, teaching other gods, and people was worshiping these idols. And uh, said so if, if they're... And, and it, it, calls it fornication, idols and, and fornication. And said, if they don't repent from this, what's going to happen? Cast them into great tribulation. <coughs> if they're committing adultery. So we're talking about great tribulation. Those who are committing this adultery will be cast into this great tribulation. Now, not with Jezebel herself. So, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 for a second. First Corinthians chapter 8. First Corinthians chapter 8, and this try to keep it short, verse 6. But unto us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are, are all things, and we by him. Now there's, there's one God, there's one Lord Jesus Christ, and all things are by them. So all things are not by my free will. All things are by them. However, there is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour uh, eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. So there are some that are defiled not looking at one God and one Jesus. So Jesus, when we talk about Jesus Christ, we're talking about that came to what? To save his people from their sins. Well, if we say that it's up to you to save you from your sins, then there's other Jesuses. So these were defiled. And remember that word defiled, it probably won't, maybe this morning, but as we get into talking about the ten virgins and things like that, so these were defiled, looking at, at idols and other gods and other Jesuses. And, and so this is the adultery. 
And we can see this spelled out a little clearer in the book of Romans, chapter 7. Uh, let see, Romans chapter 7. So we're looking at adultery here. And uh, this is where, again, I'll try to save time here. Uh, Apostle Paul was talking to people that knew the law of Moses. And uh, so he's going to refresh their memory a little bit uh, about the law of Moses. And, uh, well, let me, let me just hurry and read. Verse 1, Romans 7 and 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman who hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she should be married to another man. So he says, I'm refreshing your memory about things in the law, the letter of the law of Moses. Now he's going to explain to them what it means. In verse 4, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to another Married or joined to another, even him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So he says, you were joined to the law. We all had our connections and lustings after the, the law of Moses. You were once joined to that. You were once married to that. He said, but now by the body of Christ, we're dead to that. No longer joined to it. No longer lusting after it that we should bring forth fruit unto God. When we was married or joined to the letter of the law of Moses, we're bringing forth fruit unto God? And the answer obviously is no. So verse 5, When we were in the flesh, the sinful impulses, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. It was dead fruit, worthless. But now... We are delivered from the law, that being dead which we were held, that we should serve in the newness of the spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. So the spirit of the law and not the letter of the law. So uh, here we're dead to the law. We're joined to another, even to Jesus Christ. What if we lust after the things or what if we go back to the letter of the law? We're not faithful unto Jesus Christ. That's adultery. That's what he's saying here. If you have another one, that's adultery. But if you're dead to that, then we'd be joined to another, even to Jesus Christ. Then it's no longer adultery. So uh, back in Revelation chapter 2 again, and uh, verse 22, Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and then that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. If they repent, so it's not saying they weren't guilty of it, but if they repent. Now, the Lord knows, and the Lord's in control who repents. This is just stating a fact. Those that repent, this is the result. Those that do not, this is the result. The Lord's in control, okay? Uh... 
I will cast her into a bed, and then they commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So here, if they're committing adultery and fornication, they're defiled. They're not virgins. As we'll talk maybe next week. Uh, but if they repent, then they can be considered virgins. See, right now they're committing adultery. Uh, and, but if, if the Lord calls them to repent, they're no longer committing this adultery for, and, and fornication. They're no longer defiled. They can be considered virgins again. You say, well, how can they, if they was committing this adultery and fornications and joined to something else, to Jesus and something else, committing adultery and fornication, then if they repent, how can they be virgins now if they were defiled then? Oh, the new man. The new man. So then, verse 22, these that the Lord called, that, that were committing this adultery and fornications, but the ones he causes to repent, they won't go into this great tribulation. Those that continue in adultery and fornication will, as it says. And in verse uh, 24. But unto you, I say, unto the rest at Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and who have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you no other burden. So you that don't have this doctrine of Satan, saying that there are other gods, other Jesuses, in this church, I won't put any other burden on you. In other words, won't be going through the great tribulation. 25, but that which you have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And you shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of the potter shall they be broken into shivers, even as I received of my father. So he says, these that, that overcome and everything, going to give them power, and they will rule them with a rod of iron. How's the Lord coming back with his bride? All with a, with a uh, eyes flame of fire and a, and a sword from his mouth and be ruling with a, a, a rod of iron? Uh, 27 again. Uh, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of the potter, they shall be broken into shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So, this is talking about also going into the millennial reign after the, the great tribulation is over and everything. That's what verse 26 is talking about. He that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. That's when they come back to rule and reign with him, to end the great tribulation and, and, and go into the uh, millennial reign. But also says, I will give him the morning star. These that have 
that he has called to repent. These that are no longer looking to the uh, committing adultery with other Jesuses and other gods. And that he has called to repent. He won't send them through great tribulation. And I will give him the morning star. What's the morning star? Uh, Revelation 22. And verse 16. Who's the morning star? Well, we know, of course, but it says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I and the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. So these will be with the Lord through, they won't go through great tribulation. He's going, he's going to take them out <clears throat> uh, as he takes the comforter out, take them away for a season, and they will be taken, and they won't go through any, any uh, this great tribulation, and they'll be part of the bride. And he says, I, 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 this is their inheritance. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the bright and morning star. So we've got to close here, but let me, let me ask, leave you with some more questions. Will the entire church be taken out? We talked about the bride. That's a, that's a, uh, uh, we saw some there that would, uh, uh, are seduced by uh, Jezebel if they repent this and if they don't repent that. So will the entire church be taken out? Well, the answer to that is yes. Because he told his church, I won't leave you comfortless. But are all that we consider in the church in the church? So if we look at the uh, uh, true churches of the Lord Jesus Christ and we look at everyone sitting in the assemblies, are all of them part of that body of Christ because they're sitting in a particular pew or seat? And the answer to that is no. So the answer, yes, the entire church will be taken out. And, but is everyone sitting in the pews that may be on a roll book part of that church, part of that body? And the answer to that is no. Let me leave you with another, another question. Uh, so those true members, not necessarily sitting in pews, but those True member, and, and folks, by the way, we, we don't necessarily know. We don't necessarily know that. But the Lord does. So then all of his true members of his body that he takes out, will all of them be of the bride? And the answer to that is no. 
So, Lord willing, the next couple of weeks we'll look at that and we'll study that. I believe the scriptures bear that out. Uh, and Lord willing, we'll, we'll look at this again next Sunday morning. It'll be the Lord's will. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We are dismissed.